do 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 Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. Zen Parenting Radio. It is a this is episode number two twenty five, sweetie. Correct. Uh, and it's a discussion between you and I. And you are a spiritual and emotional mom, and I'm a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 12. That's right. Happy birthday, Birdie. Pre-adolescent. Pre-adolescent. We'll be talking about that, aren't we? Yeah, a little bit. What do you got in your mouth? Granola. Is it yummy? Yes. That granola is actually pretty yummy. It's ridiculous. Um, our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that the best predictor of a child's well-being is what? A parent's self-understanding. That's right. You know what? I want to give a shout out to this granola because a friend of mine makes it. She lives in Seattle. Um, her name's Mandy Levenberg. And this granola is called greatergoodgranola.com, I believe. And she gives all the proceeds to charity. Wow. 100%. That's very respectable. I know. And it's so good. Like I order it and have her ship it because I like it better than any other granola. So just FYI. FYI, sweetie, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to give our listeners what we have coming up today. Okay, let's hear it. Um, but before I do that, now I'll do that now. Um, we're going to talk about empathy. We have an empathy expert on this Friday show. Mm-hmm. Um, and we empathy is such a big subject, we decided to make it Empathy Week. Yeah, and kind of talk about how it relates to what we talk about on this show. Mm-hmm. We talk about empathy a lot in every show, but we wanted to get more specific, more down to the definition, if you will. Yeah, to the nitty gritty, I like to say. Are you getting calls? No, I'm putting it on vibrate so I don't get disturbed. Your bone always makes noises. Does it? And I never say anything to you. And I especially won't say anything today, today, sweetie, because today's a special day, isn't it? It's our anniversary. Anniversary. Is that your song? You want me to sing a song? Anniversaries don't have a song, do they? Happy anniversary to, to you. you. Yeah, that's kind of, but that's a borrow from the birthday. So for all you songwriters out there, write a good song on anniversary and then you'll make a million bucks. That's right. Everybody wants to sing a song on their anniversary. What song do you want to sing, sweetie? Uh, the song that hasn't been written yet, the anniversary song. Hmm. Are you looking for one? Yeah, what about this one? This is by Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> It's called Anniversary. <laughs> Do you remember Tony, Tony, Tony? No. From the 80s? No. What about this one? <laughs> this is a good song. Randy Travis. Doesn't he have issues now? Yes. That's too bad. Yeah. What about this one? It's a great song. Who's this? This is Shania Twain. Very good, sweetie. And then what about this one? Reminds me of Pulp Fiction. It does. This is, you know who this is by? Uh, tell me. Al Green. Al Green. Big Al. Um, all right. So first, um, we have an empowerment project coming up on Monday, May 18th. And uh, it's a documentary uh, created by five... Female documentarians. Yep. Thank you very and much. And the movie, the the movie is about uh, ordinary women doing extraordinary things. It's basically shining the light on women and what they do because sometimes what the media shows us is not really the truth about the whole. It just gives us a piece of what women are doing. So it kind of broadens that perspective. 
this screening is appropriate for kids nine and up. Obviously, it's a great date night with your daughter because it's focusing on women. But Todd and I really think you should bring the whole family yep. um, because there's no reason that our boys can't see all these things too. As a matter um, of fact, they, they might. probably should. They probably should. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway. And it's being uh, sponsored by our – Partner, it's our. They're partnering with us to bring this uh, documentary to town. Thank you, and it's Comprehensive Clinical Services, and the website is discoverccs.org. Dan Martinez is, I think he's the owner. If not, he's one of the. He's owners. the director for sure. The director of it. Uh, they do all types of different therapies, and uh, you should check them out. Discoverccs.org. It's actually called multidisciplinary because they have lots of different um, therapists for lots of different purposes, mm-hmm. and they are also uh, multilingual. Yes. So just FYI Absolutely. to that. At CCS, their philosophy is to use the least amount of medicine possible, mm-hmm. which I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. I don't like those little white pills, sweetie. Unless they're needed. Unless they're needed. Sweetie, mm-hmm. ever the qualifier. Well, because I believe we're talking about empathy here and there are people who obviously what Todd and I believe in is that it, there is a spectrum to everything and that um, there's this kind of in-between that we're in. You know, there's a spectrum. There's a people who have no issues whatsoever and there's people who have pretty significant issues. And then we tend to speak to the middle, right. which is the people who are in-between. Hopefully everyone can get something out of it. So why Todd always says, you know, he doesn't like medicine or whatever is because a lot of times those of us who can – tolerate things and who can who do have tools and capabilities to get through things sometimes we choose medicine instead of and getting, there is a lot of people out there that do not are not lucky enough to be in my disposition that's right and so the people on the spectrum who are on more of the extreme where they have a chemical yes um you know i'm not disability. talking to them okay i'm talking to those of us in the middle who sometimes can deal with Challenges. We choose to not look internally. Yes. We look externally for a fix yes. rather than maybe do or doing both. Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking with a girlfriend this weekend about the fact that sometimes, and again, I think I say this on the show all the time, but we were talking about someone who really needed a medication to get themselves out of a hole. Yeah. And once they were out of the hole, they got um, to therapy. And then once they were in therapy, they were able to let go of their medication. So sometimes it's a tool just to get you to the place where you can actually start to talk about what's going on with you. But when we use medication as the only way, um, then it's more of a Band-Aid than a therapeutic tool. Um, And it's funny, and you may get uh, upset that I'm bringing this up, but I feel like the tamest way of talking about it, not that we had any plan to talk about this, but you and I tend to kind of go off the cuff anyways. What are you talking about? When our daughters or when we have a fever... Uh Um, we, our first inclination is not always to throw Tylenol down their throat. Uh, not always. Sometimes. Sometimes. Sometimes not. Cause really a fever is not necessarily a bad thing. We actually did a show about that. We had Dr. Kelly, our partner from Tree of Life on the show. And she talked about how oftentimes, or what she, it's not just oftentimes, what she, you know, what a fever is, is our body kind of burning out, mm-hmm. um, working through what it needs to work through to heal. And a lot of times when we stifle that fever, um, that can you Doesn't know allow we're the stifling body. the healing now we had a lot of doctors talk to us afterwards a few friends of ours who are doctors who are more on the side of fevers can lead to other bad things right. which is true so if you have a child who has a temperature of 105 mm-hmm. maybe that's not the best solution for you yeah. but if you have a child who's around that 100 yeah, low, you know, grade. low grade they here's what the what i experienced with my girls 
I we have Tylenol in the house and I offer it if they're struggling. Mm-hmm. If they're struggling, mm-hmm. if they're just sleeping and sweating and getting through it, there's nothing to offer. Right. But if I have a daughter who's like, my head hurts so bad or I'm so sick I can't sleep, that's always an option I throw out there. The majority of the time they say no yeah. um, and that's their choice. There have been a few times uh, with um, – like was sleeping where I'm thinking of one of my daughters in particular where her ear hurt so bad that she could not sleep. And I said, let's use this tool. Yeah. Let's use Tylenol because um, – Remember that time when JC's ear exploded? Yes. Yes, I do. That was crazy. Yeah. Like, Didn't, yeah. Like ear like, – like so much earwax just kind of burst outside of her ear. It was really kind of grotesque and cool all she, at the same yeah, time. Yeah, she had an infection. Yeah. And that is – was kind of its resolution. Yeah. Because after that happened, mm-hmm. it was gone. Yeah. She went through a little phase of ear infections, not consistent ear infections, but I would say out of all of our kids, she – I can name three or four times she got them. So before we get into the guts of the podcast today, yeah. I first want to talk about our first part. Partner, John Kelly. He's our dentist. He does comprehensive dentistry specific for us and our family to our two of our daughters who are kind of in the brace aspect of their childhood. Did you say the brace aspect? Yeah, the braces, the retractable orthodontics. They're in the they're in the stage of getting their t- teeth straight. So anyways, uh, but I'm also getting my cleaning at John Kelly sometime soon. So anyways, uh, he's our partner. So if you live in the Chicagoland area, uh, he's an amazing dentist. Do us a favor, either give him a call or check him out online, chicagodentistonline.com, or his phone number is 773-631-6844. Yep. Now, you talked about the hole and as far as how sometimes you have to dig yourself out of a hole. Correct. So I'm going to read this quick poem. Okay. You've oh, I've shared I it with you poem. before, but it's really powerful. You know uh, you know who shared it with us. Who? Uh, Linda shared it with us. Did she really? Yes. Thank you, Miss Linda. Uh-huh. So this is a poem. It's got five chapters, but they're all pretty short chapters. You ready? Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost. I am helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Lots of people are there. Right. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It takes a long time to get out. So the first chapter says it takes forever to find a way out. Second chapter, it says it still takes a long time to get out. A little more hope. You ready for chapter three? Mm-hmm. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Before I go to chapter four, is there anything you want to say about Big shift. Huge shift. The big shift is I see the hole. I went in and I – did you hear that? I went went in 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 it anyway. Right. And then I realized that was a choice I made. Right. So the first two chapters, you didn't even see the hole. Right. Chapter three, you see it, but you still fall in. Right. Ready for chapter four? Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. (laughs) What does that mean to you? Well, what it means to me is like how, I see, how does this relate? Well, everyday experiences. I see something that I would normally do, mm-hmm. which is fall into this. Let's use an everyday experience. Someone is saying something to you and they're annoying you, 
and your old pattern is, is I'm going to yell at this person. I'm going to tell them how I feel. I'm going to give them an earful because that's what you do when you're mad. Well, that really puts you in a hole Mm -hmm. because it puts you in a deficit with this person and with yourself. You feel awful and you get stuck there. You blame the other person for triggering you. And then you say, I should, this shouldn't have happened. You stay stuck there for a while till you get out. Skip ahead to this one. Mm -hmm. Someone yells at you. And you choose to not engage. You walk right around the hole. You don't get in the hole. You don't play the game and you get out. And it's steps. Chapter one, chapter two, this is an evolution. We always talk about on the show about how, what are we doing on this show? What are we hoping to cultivate? It's evolution. Progress. Progress, not uh, going into the same familiar patterns that don't serve you. Right. That's what this is all about. Yeah. You know, the quote that uh, I've been using a lot lately on this show is that my new understanding, you know, for studying self-awareness as long as I have, I still feel like I get these new insights where it just it just gives it such a better understanding, or at least when I teach. And that is that self-awareness is the key to changing your behavior. Mm -hmm. You cannot change your behavior unless you're aware of what you're doing in the first place and why. So if you want to make a shift in what you're doing, you have to be aware of what you're doing. And what this, the the whole, I think that whole uh, poem is called, isn't it called the whole? It's called the whole. What the whole is saying is in those first two stages, you know, that first time, that second time, you're just doing habit. You're just following a habit. You know, someone yells at me, I yell back. My kids do something wrong, I yell at them. Mm -hmm. My partner forgets something, I become passive aggressive and I ignore him. You know, we do these old habitual things and we don't even look at why. The next couple stages is I'm going to look at why and I'm going to choose something new. And maybe I might mess up and jump in that hole, but I'm going to realize what I did and get out a lot faster. And then at one point I can walk around it. Chapter five. It's only five words. Let's hear it. So chapter four ended, I walk around the hole. Chapter five, I walk down another street. Ooh. That's even better, right? To me, that what did you want to say what that means to you? It just means that you choose not to even put yourself in a position there to have to walk around the hole. That's right. You don't you don't keep doing the same things over and over again, or you get a broader perspective of the world where it doesn't even affect you. Right. Because it, I choose to walk around the hole is someone triggers me, but I make a different choice. I walk down a different street is either like what you said, I don't engage with these people anymore. I don't spend as much time with them. Or when they respond that way to me, I look at them totally differently. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not, not, not from your old mindset. Right. But, but from, from a your new, new mindset. empathetic, compassionate mindset. All ties back to empathy, Always. sweetie. Because it's Empathy Week here at Zen Parenting Radio. We should have had a little jingle that said, Empathy Week. I might have to record that and that will be our drop. <laughs> Empathy Week. Um, so it says that's an autobiography in five short chapters by Portia Nelson. Okay. Thank you, Portia. Uh huh. Appreciate that. That's great. Um, applause. All right. So, do we want to play a clip from Roman first? Whatever you want to do. Huh. Well, what about Mother's Day virtual retreat? Okay. Let's talk about that just because um, this is new. Um, we. You got to get the clapping ready. We are ready to launch our annual. This is like third annual, fourth annual. Something like that. Mother's Day virtual retreat. Oh. <laughs> no, not that one. Not that one. Okay. So our Mother's Day retreat is uh, starts on May 4th and it ends that Friday on May 8th. Um, we are focusing this year on true balance. And the reason we put the word true before balance is because I think sometimes we have 
not the right definition of balance. We think of balance as finding some kind of perfect place. And true balance is – well, we're going to talk about it in the retreat. That's right. We're going to discuss it. Don't give it. them all I'm the answers, I'm not going to give it away. But here's the thing I want you guys – oh, sorry, Tati. Go ahead. I have a new name for a retreat. What is it? You want to call it true balance? Uh-huh. I want to call it May the 4th Be With You Retreat. What does that mean? May the 4th <gasps> Be With You. I like it. Okay. So let's take a poll right now. Maybe uh, send us an email or post to our Facebook page. What do you like better? True Balance Retreat or May the 4th Be With You Retreat? Because it's May 4th. Because it's May 4th. And I like Star Wars. Right. So how about we call it both? You can call it your thing. Fine. And I'll call it my thing. Yes. And mine's going to be better. Okay. So anyway, this retreat, um, for those of you who have done our virtual retreats before, you know how fun they are and how connecting they are because you end up spending time, at least virtually, with a lot of like-minded people. Todd and I send out emails with lots of good information to ponder during the day. We also will do three podcasts that week that are just their exclusive podcasts for this virtual retreat community. There will be a Facebook page for social networking. Again, that's optional. That's up to you. And it's just a really good way to like ramp up to Mother's Day because a lot of times, do you notice how we just kind of go head first into a holiday and all of a sudden it's here? Yep. You know what I mean? Like we don't do a lot of you know, really thinking about what it means to us and what Mother's Day means. And um, especially for those of you who are mothers, um, you know, give yourself a week where you pamper yourself and you get these emails and you actually process, you know, what you're grateful for and what, why balance is important to you. And um, But what if somebody wants to do it with a friend, sweetie? That's the beauty of it is if you register for our retreats, you get the opportunity to gift it to someone for free. It's not just an opportunity. You get to do it. You know, you register for the retreat. I send you an email and say, who would you like to gift this to? How much does this bad boy cost? Well, if you register for the retreat, it's $50. When you gift it to someone, that's free. So really, when you think about it, it ends up being 25 per person. Um, So it's – we love doing it. It's just a really nice way to talk to people, kind of a smaller group because when we're doing the show, we're talking to – Everyone. Thousands of people. Masses. Um, But when we do the retreat, it's kind of a way – because Todd and I are obviously on the Facebook page and we're talking about what you guys are talking about on our our podcast that we do. And I really just – A little more interactive. Yeah, I hope you join us. But just so you know, guys and anyone who is not a mom, you are still completely welcome to be on this retreat. It's not just for mothers. It's just in honor of mothers. Yes. But all of us have either had a mother, been a mother, or we love a mother. Yeah. It's – yeah, to your point, it's for – everybody. Everybody. Okay. Um, so I feel like we should start with Roman. So okay. Roman is a guy that we're interviewing on this Friday show and he's an empathy expert. And we're going to use a clip from this upcoming Friday show to launch another discussion that you and I are sure. going to have regarding how it relates to our own well-being. So it's about 90 seconds. So it'll be a little, it's not a well, quick. that's a longie. A longie, but a goodie, sweetie. Okay. Oh, and you know what? Before we do that, I almost forgot. This is your anniversary present, sweetie. Oh, let's hear it. Some clips um, for Ron Swanson is a character on <laughs> uh, Parks and Recreation, uh-huh. whom you love. I love Ron Swanson. Uh, can you explain what, because <laughs> many people haven't seen this show. Okay. So Parks and Recreation is an Amy Poehler um, uh, sitcom, 30-minute sitcom that actually ended this year. I'm just on season five now. I'm, I'm slow. Um, but uh, basically, they just it's just this group of people who work in the parks department and are very eager. Um, well, some of them are eager, some of them not so much to do a good job. And they, first of all, all the characters are great. I highly recommend this show, but my favorite happens to be this guy, Ron Swanson, who's the director of Parks and Recreation, but he doesn't believe in government. Mm-hmm. And he also kind of 
He's um, a meat and potatoes type of guy. <laughs> literally. But he's got a huge heart, and that's why I love him, because for as off-putting as he can be, he's a lovely man. So here's a few clips. We'll play maybe two now and two at the end. What a gorgeous herbaceous medley. There's been a mistake. You've accidentally given me the food that my food eats. Salad is traditionally the first course at a wedding. Is a gerbil marrying a rabbit? I'm in- That's number one. And first of all, that was Rob Lowe who was talking to Ron Swanson. And then this is Ron Swanson on birthdays. I need to rewind it, though, so hold on. I don't like loud noises and people making a fuss. And I especially don't like people celebrating because they know a piece of private information about me. Plus, the whole thing is a scam. Birthdays were invented by Hallmark to sell cards. That's Ron Swanson on birthdays. I love Ron Swanson. So here's our buddy Roman uh, talking about empathy. The audio is not perfect, but it's it's listenable. So listen in. The difference between empathy and sympathy, because I remember as a younger person, I never understood the difference between those two words. And just to kind of get maybe some people who think those two ideas are the same, can you give us your best uh, distinguishment between those two? Yeah, and they are absolutely different. So say you're walking past a homeless guy on the street and you look at him and you just feel sorry for him or pity or something like that. That's sympathy. In, psychology, in psychological terms, it's an emotional response, but one that isn't shared. But if you walk past uh, this person and really make an effort to step into their shoes and see things from their perspective, that's empathy. You're trying to understand their view of the world. Sympathy doesn't require that. You can just sort of stay outside, as it were, and not really step into their shoes. So empathy, I think, is a bit more challenging because you have to take their perspective. But ultimately, the rewards are greater because, you know, often we don't understand other people's perspectives. And it really matters. Just to give you an example with my kids, um, you know, when my twins were about one and a half before their natural empathy had kicked in, a common situation was where my son would be crying and his sister would comfort him with his with her favorite toy dog. Mm. which was a a sympathetic gesture, but not much use to him, right? Interesting. Um, But about a year later, when they were two and a half and their natural empathy had kicked in, when he was crying, she would then go comfort him with his favorite toy cat. Mm. And that's the leap of empathy. That's understanding that other people have views different to our own. Oh, that's so big. So there he is. So big. That is so big. Well, and I think that's just such a perfect leap to what we wanted to talk about because the thing that that I think Todd and I have discovered to be ultimately important when talk about talking about empathy is you have to understand that you don't think the same way that everybody else does and they don't think the same way that you do and that's okay. That statement in itself can change your life if you really believe it because a lot of people will say, yeah, they think different but you know, there's something wrong with them or they're not smart enough or they're not as good as me. There's kind of more of a judgment when yeah. we say, oh, I know that person thinks different. The place we want to be at is where we respect what we believe and we know what we feel and understand. And we can look at someone else and have respect and understanding for them having potentially a different opinion or a different outlook. Because odds are their opinion and outlook is derived from the experiences they've had that we haven't yet had. And the easiest example of this is whenever you talk about anything that is very divisive, like religion or politics or anything like that, it's so easy for us to be set in our ways like he's right, he's wrong, I'm right. Right. So I don't know. I just feel like that's an easy example of how it's hard to 
be empathetic. Well, really, any ideology is based in something that you were taught or that you experienced or that was basically handed to you, you know, like in meaning that you grew up in a certain environment where this is what you were shown. And, you know, that's the thing is when when you look at you can look at anything and when you start to understand empathy and and as Roman says, getting into someone else's shoes, it makes sense why they do what they do. Now, with that said, that doesn't mean that, you know, that everybody gets to do whatever they want and it's anarchy. It just means can we understand why they do it? Because I definitely have the feeling of there are certain people – people who make choices that I definitely don't agree with. Right. You know, people who are not compassionate, people who are very judgmental, people who do hurt other people intentionally. But my empathetic side understands that someone did that to them first. Mm-hmm. And that is why they're passing that along. Right. Which is why the important the most important part of the show that Todd says at the very beginning of the show is it's our self-understanding that then helps our kids understand themselves right. because the more compassionate and empathetic we are with ourselves and our children our children learn that and then pass it on we don't get to yell at our kids and tell them how they've made these mistakes and how they're awful and how we can't believe you know what's wrong with them and then expect them to pass on some sense of kindness that doesn't make sense. And so we have to understand that being empathetic with people, our children or anybody, mm-hmm. is what creates more empathy. Empathy begets empathy. Well, and I think it'll take us a while to get this all the way around to empathy. But the example that I wanted to share on the show today in regards to my new 12-year-old, um, and I explained this to you over lunch today, sweetie, but um, – it's funny. I see our relationship, my relationship with my ch- my twelve year old, evolving, and um, th- I don't know if I can describe this as well as I want to, but I'll do my best. Um, she is changing. She is getting older. Uh-huh. She, she's becoming more mature. She's becoming more mature. She is, but it, but with that maturity, she has a need for independence. She's you know she's not like she's seventeen, but she's in the beginning stages of breaking away from mommy and daddy and the comfort of your own home and all that other stuff. And with that, sometimes comes behavior that I question or am challenged by. Like she closes the door sometimes when she's I don't know reading a book or watching something on the computer or something like that. And I, sometimes I take, um, not offense to that, like, Oh, that didn't used to happen. Mm, and now you it notice is. The change. I noticed the change. So uh, it would be easy for me to categorize that as like, Oh, here come the teenage years. They're going to be so hard, but she's not like doing anything wrong. No. She's not breaking any rules. She's just shifting a little bit. And I've noticed like certain, uh, things about her that she's pulling away from me a little bit, but at the same time, there are other times when she comes back full circle and she the pendulum shifts in the complete opposite direction and she wants to be by me and more involved with me more so that she than she did a year ago. And the example I'll give is we've been playing a lot of basketball lately in the backyard, in the driveway. Mm-hmm. And then we play for like an hour and a half. And then she's like, Daddy, let's go to tennis courts and go play tennis. She never used to do that. Mm-hmm. And it could be a phase, but... I feel like she is in a place where um, the pendulum swings back and forth with much more range than it did a few years ago. She was Mm -hmm. a little bit more down the line and now she's like she either doesn't want to be around me or she thinks I'm like the uncool dad or she really, really loves me and wants to be around me. And I think that this is kind of a 
predictor of what's coming. And the reason I am saying this out loud to our listeners is because it would be easy for me to say, well, where were you a few hours ago? And I said, let's go play catch. And you were in your room with the door locked. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say that, but it's easy for me to say that. But basically that's me saying, how come you're not on my time schedule? And how come I have to be on your time schedule? The only thing I want to do is these years that she's about to get into are so important. And especially I know her relationship, you know, a 12-year-old girl's relationship with her father is a huge relationship in her life. And I want to do everything I can to put myself in a position to maintain the quality of this relationship. Stay connected. Stay connected. And that's going to be, that's going to take on some different challenges that were not there before. Uh, She's not my cute little five-year-old girl anymore. She's still cute. She's still cute, but she's not (laughs) a five-year-old girl anymore. And I'm just trying to find ways to stay connected to her because I feel like if I'm like, well, sorry, you had your chance earlier today when I want to play catch and I'm not available right now, that could, and there's going to be times when I can't do it, obviously. I'm not going to always stop what I'm doing, but I'm going to try to embrace those opportunities with a little more discipline than maybe I would have a year ago because I know I I have interesting years ahead of me. Well, let me explain that in child de- development oh, language. Okay. And, um, you know, we often say on the show that what happens to a child around three is very similar to what happens to them in 11, 12, 13, pre-adolescent, early teenage years. And that's the whole concept of separation individuation, mm-hmm. which is they have to, they have to separate. They ha- The thing that as parents, we have to like get our arms around first is that we have children so they can go off and be competent adults, right? Let's just, that's- let's just that's the hope that's the hope so for our children to do that they have to at some point begin to kind of step away from constantly needing us Mm -hmm. and that's shown through wanting to do things on their own that's also shown through um you know maybe pushing away some of our ideas and having their own ideas um they have to do that and so What's happening is the age that she is right now, you know, and every kid in middle school and early high school, they're in that separation individuation. And what that means is they need to pull away, but then they come back to get that sense of grounding again. And that sense of grounding gives them not not like verbal permission, but in that that internal Mm -hmm. sense of ability, intrinsic motivation to go out again. And then come back Mm -hmm. and get that sense of grounding. Can you kind of see what I'm saying? How it really makes sense is that she ventures out into the world and it's kind of scary. I'm going to ride my bike downtown. I'm going to be gone from you guys for 24 hours. I'm going to go to camp for seven days and not see you guys. Those are huge things. So then when she comes back, she needs to reconnect in whatever way she can to kind of fill herself back up. It's almost like an empty tank kind of thing. Like, okay, now i got to reconnect to my parents, reconnect so I can refuel and go back out and try more things. Yeah. It's like we're the gas station. We're the gas station. So if she comes back for that fuel and you say, sorry, not on my time schedule, Um, you know, where were you 10 minutes ago or where were you when I was available? And you start to – Or how come you were – Um, squabbling with your sister about something like it's so easy for a parent to um, focus on, you know, whatever negative that may be out there. So one thing I'm trying to do is live in the moment right now. This girl wants to hang with me. And as long as I'm available, I'm going to do it. And I think a lot of us would kind of just 
bring up old stuff. Well, it'd be stuff. all about our needs. Right. Like you're not, you know, and here's the thing is that, of course, our needs are important. And like Todd said, sometimes what I usually say to the girls if I'm busy is right now I can't, but let's figure out together when I can. Mm. So it's not a blowing off or you guys are wrong for asking me. It's acknowledging both of our needs. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is so many times parents miss that opportunity for connection and when their child is trying to refuel Mm -hmm. because sometimes it shows up in weird ways like let's go play basketball Mm -hmm. and we don't see it for what it is which is I need to kind of reconnect with you and get that sense of grounding again. Well and it's funny because she's and I think children not her kids are intuitive and they're clever and they know how to connect and she knows I connect through activity and sports right, right. and like games she, she doesn't say dad let's go read a book together as much as I love books it's just not my thing and she has a different technique for connecting with you uh-huh. whether that's coming home from school and sitting there and talking to you for a half hour or whatever watching a movie with watching me. a movie mm-hmm. whatever it is so um so the kids and, and I, I think my only fear is that if I am not cognizant of these ideas now that it might be more and more difficult when she's 14 or 15 or 16. So in other words, I'm kind of planting the seeds now for a continued connection later on. Well, and I don't know if it's necessarily going to be more difficult. I think that's a an old pattern of thinking that somehow when they get older, things get more difficult. I think it's – I think the bottom line is is that the whole intention, the what parents – the parents' job – is to make sure that they form a connection with their kids over and over and over again. Meaning as they age, the the way they connect and their ability to connect will shift. And we are the adults and we are the parents. Therefore, we need to make the effort to figure out what that way is. Right. Um, I've had a few people disagree with me when I've said that statement. A few of my peers, like people who are also therapists and they have said things like, well, but the kid has to come, you know, to the table too and be a certain way and the kid, you know, and and I I understand that as a parent, when you're reconnecting, that doesn't mean you allow a child to treat you poorly or that they – it's always about them. You're teaching them relationship. Mm. So just by definition of relationship, that means your needs and their needs. So a lot of times we jump to extremes when I say – it's the parent's job to reconnect. Well, what about the kid? They don't have any responsibility. Well, they're your child. Mm-hmm. And so they can come to the table too, you know, meaning that they will naturally, just like you're talking about how JC is coming to the table right now and saying, these are the things I want. But it's our job to be the leader. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. We lead that charge. Right. Because if we wait for them to lead yes. us – they don't have the life skills that we hopefully do. Exactly. Um, and this has – we have seen examples of this yes. in our lives where the parent will right. uh, say, well, the ball's in that kid's court because right. – like, no, you're I'm the parent. I'm not going to talk to my child until my child does A, B, or C. Right. And it's like, wait a second. That First of all, you're teaching them then in relationship that you have to appease other people and be submissive or you know something to that effect to to get love. Well, I think of Mr. Miyagi. Didn't Mr. Miyagi say to Danielson, "There's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher." Wow. So um, you know that's kind of. I mean, obviously there are examples that you can cite that that doesn't fall into, but for the most part, we are the teachers. So if we sit there and blame our kids for them not treating us well and say, well, I'm not doing anything until they, until they They apologize to me or whatever. I don't know. I 
feel like you have to kind of rethink it a little well, bit. Well, and this is how it gets back into empathy is that we have to understand where kids are biologically, brain development, their own personality, their their lack of freedom, mm-hmm. truthfully, because sometimes I think about being in a kid, I, like the, my life now and how it must have felt to be a kid where you wake up every day and you realize you don't have a lot of choices. Right. You got to get up. You got to go to school. You have to do homework. Like they don't. They a lot have, of have tos. There's a lot of have tos in a kid's life. And there's life. a lot of have tos for grownups, but. But but different kinds of have tos. Do you know what I mean, Todd? Well, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I Here's what I think. I think a lot of parents will say, oh, kids got it so easy these days. They don't have any responsibilities. They don't have. And that's completely untrue. Like they have probably more that they have to go through in a day than we do. Right. But having but having said that, I you know, I, I don't know if one has more or less. Okay, that's that's fair to say let's not compare and say kids have it tougher because that's not true because oftentimes adults have it tough too. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is can we with our children step into their shoes sometimes and realize what they're doing mm-hmm. rather than focus on what am I getting out of it? Is my child doing what I want them to do? Are they saying what I want them to say? Are they reacting the way I would react. Sometimes we have to, this is what self-awareness is, recognize what the people we love are doing to find connection or to find love. We have to be, instead of saying it shouldn't be that way, and I'll give you an example that I gave you at lunch, is I, I've i been uh, noticing that with my uh, younger two children, so because they're closer in age, they argue more. And sometimes I'm kind of I don't know if I'm hard on them, but I make comments a lot about, oh, you guys should hug more or you guys – because that's the way I show love, yeah. right? I show love by hugging and saying I love you and I'm a words person and so mine is very um, visual, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and physical. Mm-hmm. And they, and they've been like, ugh, you know, rolling their eyes at me like, oh, that's not what we want to do. And while I kind of laugh at it, I don't make a big deal about it, I was noticing this weekend that they actually do – love each other in different ways. Like right. I notice that, uh, you know, my middle child said to my younger child, I'm going to go watch this movie. Do you want to come up with me? And my younger child said, no, not right now. I'm going to do this. And she goes, okay. And I know that may not seem like any big deal to you guys, but I started to like open my eyes to the fact that they are loving each other in the way that they can right now. They are demonstrating, and, and there's more beyond that. There's, you know, sharing or do you want this color crayon or, you know, they're doing things that are very kind. There are also times when they're when they're not. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, if it's something that we feel they can't manage, of course, we kind of support them in that. But for the most part, I want to be, I want to recognize where they are and that you know, the big thing about sibling relationships is it really is kind of a testing ground for, you know, how how you're going to work through relationships when you get older. Don't you think? I do. I do. Um, you talked about love languages. And for those of you who may not know, we have a search box on our website and I just put in love languages and it's zenparentingradio.com slash 142. So if that interests you at all, because what Kathy just told the story about how our kids are loving each other in a way that we may not even recognize. We may not see it because my version of love looks this way. Right. So I'm saying, oh, you guys should love each other this way. And really that's my way. Yeah. And I have to be aware and open and empathetic towards them and understand, you know, get in their shoes and notice how they, because like 
and and understand that it's kind of a relationship beyond me because think about the experience that Roman said how his child when she was really young to comfort her brother she would give him her toy yeah. but as she got older she realized to comfort him he needed his, his toy, toy. Yeah. and my children are they have a relationship all their own without me in it yeah. meaning they is as important as we think we are they have their own thing going yeah. on and they may know how to reach each other in a way that i am unaware of yeah. you know what i mean like you know, Cameron may know that what Skylar needs right then is something different than maybe how I perceive it. Right. I think we, and again, there are times when I still, you know, we still get involved if we feel necessary, but I'm just trying to open my mind that there are many different ways to love and that I want to not only allow for that, but notice it as much as possible. That's right, sweetie. Are you going to play something? You keep looking at me. No, I'm not. I was actually going to um, pull just to see if we had any reviews on iTunes. But I do want to talk about our second partner. That's Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life. She's our chiropractor. She's amazing. 630-941-8733, chirotree.com. Um, and we're about 40 minutes in, so we don't have a whole lot more to go. I do want to mention, is it okay if we move on off of empathy? Can I say one more thing? Sure. And I think I've said it before, but I think it's important. The biggest thing that I learned from Roman in this interview, or maybe when we were talking to him off, you know, at a different time, is that we not only have to have empathy for, you know, the people in our family and the people who are down and out or the people who are maybe more needy than us, but we have to have empathy for the powerful, the wealthy, people who we, we may perceive are, are at a different level um, than us, that sometimes... If we if we decide to only practice empathy with some people and not with others, then we're missing an opportunity for communication and connection. If we understand that people who have power and even sometimes people who don't make good choices with their power, they also learned this and have had an experience in their own world that this is normalized or validated, then we can maybe create a conversation with them to find out more. But if we all if we judge them and just push them aside and say they're bad people, then we've cut off that ability to communicate and understand each other. Sweetie, don't be hating. Don't be a hater. Don't be a hater. I don't think hate ever works, ever. <laughs> I don't even like the word. I know. I, I'm not big – when the children use that word, I'm I'm like, that is such a strong word. Please choose a different one. I know. Just because you can say you're frustrated or angry or you don't like this. I'm fine with the feeling. But that word carries such an intense energy for me that it almost shuts down everything. It's like a power down. Yeah, like in Star Wars when Obi-Wan yeah. was disengaging the – Yes. Um, what is it? That the, the system, the power system. I don't think so. So they can fly out. Exactly. So the Millennium Falcon can leave. The Falcon can get out the of there. The Falcon can get out. So one quick uh, comment. My buddy Greggy, who lives in Colorado, uh, sent me a nice comment um, through the website, I think. But okay. um, he listened to John O'Sullivan. From t- a week and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, about a week and a half ago. And he has, uh, Greggy's got a son who is, how old is Jake? Six. Six years old. And I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but basically uh, listening to John O'Sullivan's interview that we had with him, modified Greg's behavior on the way home. And all he said was- I On told the way home from a sporting From event. a soccer game. I told him how much I walked- how much I liked watching him play and how great the goal was that he scored. And it was, it would have been easy for him to focus on the negatives. And just from listening to John's interview, uh, Greggy modified his behavior. So thumbs up to Greggy. 
Yeah. And just the recognition that I didn't say something about how he realized how competitive he is Mm -hmm. and how and there's nothing wrong with being competitive as long as it's kept in check. He said, I definitely need to check my competitive competitive ego at the door. Yeah. And so we when we realize that in ourselves, then we don't hand that bag over to our kids. Yes. Nice job. And that's good for Greg because he's a very unevolved young man. That's not true. Today is his birthday. It is his birthday. Yeah. So give him a. Give them better than that. Uh, someday. <laughs> I'm working on it. Okay. Um, so our last partner is Jeremy Kraft, avid company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. He's a bald-headed beauty. He's good at what he does. He's an honest, professional contractor. And he was just here. And he was just at our house looking at something that we're having him do for us. 630-956-1800. That's avidco.net. Um and then as far as promotion, sweetie, what do you think? Well, most important, our big events in May, uh, Mother's Day virtual retreat, go to events, um, go to kathysadams.com or zenparentingradio.com, click on events, and you'll see the virtual retreat, more information about it, how to register, and also the Empowerment Project uh, screening here in Elmhurst, York Theater. Um, that's on Monday, May 18th. And again, same thing, go to zenparentingradio.com events, and you will find uh, where you can get tickets. And... Uh, Thank you very much for subscribing to our podcast yes. on our website. Yeah. And thank you for sharing our show on Facebook. And thank you for giving us iTunes reviews. And then don't forget we have that speak pipe thing, um, which is leave us a voicemail on our webpage and maybe we can uh, play your question and then answer it on the podcast. Oh, absolutely. And then did you talk about your books? Um, I got three books. What are they called? Uh, self-aware Parent, Self-Aware Parent 2, and Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The how Power you, of Self-Aware Parenting. How do you get parenting. your hands on one of those bad boys? Uh, go to Amazon or go to my website, kathycadams.com. And then uh, we have that Amazon link too. So if you shop Amazon, it doesn't cost you any extra, but click on our website and then go to our Amazon search box and we will get a tiny commission and it helps us put some of these programs together. So um, words of wisdom, sweetie? Um, yes, uh, just empathy is the key to change. And if we can understand ourselves better so that we make space to understand other people better, that understanding is what creates change. So empathy is the key to life and world change. I believe that. Mine is not going to be keep trucking. Okay. It's going to be uh, sell your mutual funds and get into an index fund. Yikes. And if you want to know what that means, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll tell you. Mutual funds equals bad. Really? Index fund equals good. quite a statement. I know. I'm confident though. All right. See you folks on Friday. Roman's coming up on Friday. It's a good interview. It is. Listen up. Adios. Bye. Bye. Keep trucking.